Welcome back to Reply Guys. The leftist feminist comedy podcast for the rest of us. I am Kate Willett. And I'm Julia Clare. And uh, yeah, you know, have you seen the new Kids in the Hall? I have not, no. Oh, it's so funny. But there's this one sketch that is uh, Dave Foley as a uh, radio DJ after the apocalypse, just playing a brand new key over and over again. That's what (laughs) podcasting feels like right now. (laughs) Um, So yeah, this, this week has has been a mixture of, uh, of good and bad. Um, Before we get to uh, the primary elections, I wanted to propose a reply guy of the week and um Let's go with, uh, you know, old friend of the show, friend of Alan, friend of the Obamas, George W. Bush, who uh, said something pretty amazing this week. Um, I'll go ahead and, and play the clip here. In contrast, Russian elections are rigged. Political opponents are imprisoned or otherwise eliminated from participating in the electoral process. The result is an absence of checks and balances in Russia and the decision of one man to launch a wholly unjustified and brutal invasion of Iraq. I mean, of Ukraine. (laughs) Iraq, too. Anyway. uh, (laughs) 75. Uh, So, uh, amazing for a lot of reasons. Thoughts? Well, okay, yeah. I mean, this was obviously this was a clip that immediately went viral. Um, and everyone, I mean, it just for those of us who kind of grew up with, <laughs> who kind of came of age throughout different stages of the war in Iraq, like, um, it was. It's crazy. And, and and also what's crazy is that he says, uh, it sounds like he says Iraq too. Yeah, no, he says Iraq too. And then does his weird little laugh <laughs> that we used to make fun of all the time. And Well, and yeah, and then he's like, I'm 75. Yeah, which is, I I mean, God bless. But also it's so, it's so funny that he's 75 and he's like younger than most of the survey. <laughs> he's younger than the most survey. of the what? Most of the the serving members of Congress oh, and, yeah. and the Biden administration, um, but yeah, um, I it's it's wild. It's I, I it's one of those moments that's like beyond parody. It's too crazy. It's so. I mean, it's you know I've seen people go back and forth uh, about if this is funny or not and i think it's funny in the in the worst possible way of like it's just it's stunning like it's Mm. you know just to see like you know i mean 
hundreds of thousands of people, maybe more, will never get a real count, died as a result of Bush's unjust, I mean, it's, it's, it's like a, a million, a million Iraqis, right? Yeah. I mean, there's different counts, but certainly a, a million seems pretty realistic. Um, it's, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it, I, you know what I was thinking about this? It's just that, you know, I think most people think that the Iraq war is, is pretty horrible now. Even, even most conservatives, I think would, you know, would, I mean, Trump was certainly claiming that he, he never supported it, although he did. Um, you know, it's like there's this way that being an absolute sociopath or psychopath or at least behaving like it is sort of taken as a given in our politics. And like, mm -hmm. of course, the president of the United States has to murder a ton of people. Uh, and uh, no, we don't actually. That's that doesn't need to be true, you know? Mm -hmm. So gross. I hate him. And I, you know, I, I just. And also, it's been so long since I've heard him speak in any sort of like, like, like it's been so long since I've heard him say more than a few words that I just forgot how that this is what he sounds like. Yeah, I, I think he really is responsible for a lot of the rise of just complete anti-intellectualism in Republican politics. The Sarah sure. Palin, the Donald Trumps, just electing uh, straight up idiots or people well, who are pretending to be also, idiots. you know, we can, and this is not anything that's news to people like you and me or to those of us on the left, but like a lot of people I think do have this uh, this weird affection for George W. Bush because he just seems like a dawdling old grandpa or something. And we think of, I mean, because, and because of the, the Bushes are, are, uh, an American institution. Yeah. Um, my Bush is an American institution. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. Um, and that's what we all we all need to remember. But oh my God, can I? I just want to tell you for two seconds that there is audio available on the internet of Jordan Peterson uh, describing his grandmother Bush, and it's the grossest thing I've ever heard. So, well, but finish I mean, your he's point. Another one. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's he's really been on one, but. My yeah, my point was that people have a sort of like residual affection for George W. Bush, even even with his myriad war crimes, atrocities, whatever you want to call it, like the the net negative impact that he the destruction that he is his administration has wrought on this world. But you know, everyone's you know. I think the, the I'm reminded of the fact that he really didn't speak out like very few members of the Republican establishment spoke out against Donald Trump. And if you want to make a case that George W. Bush, if there's if you want to make a case that there is anything good in there, um, it's evidenced by the fact it's it's evidence to the contrary by the fact that he just went right along with Trump's Republican Party. He didn't really make any waves. He didn't speak out at all. He just stayed and does his little paintings. And um, now he says shit like this. And I, 
It's been the the early two thousands are back, is what I'm saying. Yeah, low rise jeans, ass crack, George W. Bush. I'll never forget like protesting the Iraq War for months and then seeing the bombs drop anyway, and you know just what a, I mean. Obviously, I was not one of the main people affected by the Iraq War, but I had mm-hmm. this moment where it just really became clear to me, like, oh, you know, the, like you can uh, give so much to, to something that is, that is right and, um, and protest evil, you know, and, and then and they just, they're just going to do it anyway. And I felt like that again, when George W. Bush won his reelection campaign. And I think that, this was extremely demoralizing for the left, uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, just like, I mean, especially considering he was able to straight up steal the 2000 election, you know, and mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people just haven't really recovered from this feeling. And it's like why so many people just completely checked out during the Obama years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I uh, I don't know. I think it's been a very it's been a very up and down week for political news. You know, um, as you mentioned, you mentioned Jordan Peterson. Jordan. Peterson. Oh yeah, he's so he's he Jordan Peterson famously this week said that he um, he didn't he didn't think that the the Sports Illustrated cover model was beautiful because she is mid size. <laughs> Um, and he said, not beautiful, no matter, no amount of totalitarian tolerance, authoritarian, authoritarian tolerance will make it, uh, will make it so, or something like that. Anyways, he looks, he always looks like he's about to die. Um, and so I, I love that he's like, I wouldn't hit it. Um, like it was a fucking option. Like it was an option. Very funny. Um, I read. I will admit to being a member of both the Jordan Peterson and Joe Rogan subreddit because I like to keep track of these people and see what they're doing. And every few days on one of those subreddits or the other, there's a post of Jordan's Pe- Jordan Peterson with someone asking why he's always crying. Yeah. <laughs> he looks horrible. He's just always breaking down in tears. He looks terrible. And like we, I stand men I stand men being able to cry and express their emotions, but not, I, I do not extend that to Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Um, because he is usually crying about like the fall of Western civilization or something like that. Or like that again, he's crying. He's crying that he thinks that this cover model is not hot. Um, (laughs) Felix Biederman had a pretty funny tweet about it. I can't remember the exact wording, but just basically like, Jordan Peterson tried to jack off and he couldn't do it and then he like turned it into a political issue that's very funny (laughs) it's just I mean these people are extremely whack and you know in terms of like in terms of like what Jordan Peterson is even saying that like people are you know only attracted to curvaceous women because of authoritarian tolerance well if you look at you know, the vast majority of art and sculpture throughout all of human history until pretty recently, uh, 
people have liked big asses and big mm-hmm. titties for quite some time now. You That's know? right. You can almost and say you it's intrinsic. What? Yeah. And you know what? You know who should know? You know who should know that? Someone who's really concerned with the West and oh, yeah. Western civilization. Don't you, haven't you looked at any of the paintings and the sculptures, you absolute rube? Yeah. Um, you, you can't, if you're, if you're going to be a Western chauvinist, which I wouldn't exactly. recommend, by the way, I mean, you really have to stand big ass and titties. I That's think. right. You know, just That's Aphrodite right. coming out of the shell. Come on. I, I mean, that was... Aphrodite's ass is like a full box truck. It it's, is huge. It's, <laughs> it's a full moon. It's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's, first of all, he just looks, he looks so physically ill. Yeah. It almost feels like weird to dunk on him because I'm like, he's going to be dead soon. No, um, it is. It's weird because it is like, in addition to being funny, I think you're right. It is also, it's there, very there sad. Is something kind of weird about it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm like, uh, yeah, this uh, this guy is going to die because he's so committed to eating an all-meat diet. Um, and it is, clearly, it is clearly killing him. Yeah. Jordan Peterson is the single best advertisement for veganism i know peter peter will never top him in terms exactly. of vegetable propaganda <laughs> his eyes are always like bloodshot and he is just has this like sallow skin he looks horrible all the time he's gonna die <laughs> he was in a medically induced coma i know <laughs> um anyways he's yeah so in, in other goofy news, um, so there were a lot of uh, elections this week, primary elections for the upcoming midterms. Um, and I would call it I would be I would go so far as to call it on the Democratic side a rebuke of centrism. Um, you had um, <coughs> in uh, in Pennsylvania, which is a really important state, as we all know. Um, not only for population, um, because because their population is so big and they they have a lot of electors. They're they're usually a pretty important state in federal elections, um, but yeah. So they have uh, they had primaries for their gubernatorial race and uh, senate race coming up. And on the Republican side, uh, you know, all the the classic characters were accounted for. Uh, Doctor, I, actually, I don't know. I don't know if uh, the last time I checked, it was like that Doctor Oz and that other guy were like in a dead heat, and it was too close to call. But um, who gives a shit? It's always going to be some like insane MAGA person yeah. who wins on the the Republican side, anyways. But our boy John Fetterman, yeah, Pennsylvania's current lieutenant governor, um enormous king basketball shorts wearing king rockabilly king rockabilly king guy with the only guy who i accept who has uh weird facial hair um and wears hoodies all the time he defeated centrist prince connor lamb pharmaceutical pharma bro (laughs) the martin screlly of uh of the house of the house um and it was like a decisive. It was. It was a. It was a shellacking. I will go so far it to won say every single county. Of every county in Pennsylvania. Wow. Um, and and, and he, by twenty five points, he won the state. Yeah, and Pennsylvania. You know, 
I can see extrapolating larger you you could extrapolate larger themes from Pennsylvania because it is a pretty good mixture of of uh, urban, suburban, and rural. Um, and to have someone who ran on Fetterman's platform win by such a large margin is it's a great sign for. I mean, I don't I, I I don't have a lot of confidence that Democrats will actually learn the right lessons from that, but. Um, it, or not Democrats, but like certainly the Democratic Party structure, like the the hierarchy. Uh, I don't have a lot of confidence that they'll they'll learn the right lessons. But it was it was so decisive. And Connor Lamb wrote an op ed for the had written an op ed for the New York Times about how like the squad's politics were divisive and extremely unpopular and all this stuff. And John Fetterman ran on those politics and destroyed him yeah one of my favorite things about this victory i mean certainly one of the most uh, inconsequential things about this victory but the funniest is how much it upset the k-hive for some reason the k-hive became extremely invested in campaigning for Connor Lamb, if you're interested in going down this uh, pointless yet funny rabbit hole, just do a little search Fetterman K-Hive. And man, they became obsessed with the fact that he had a stroke. And these 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 were like it was you remember like when Hillary fell and there was like all the right wing people that were like Hillary's health and posted all these health. Yeah, conspiracies. they straight up did that. They were saying they wouldn't vote for him and then, you know, getting owned by people who were like, blue no matter who uh people you know there's a segment of the internet that i think is becoming smaller and smaller and i'm pretty sure is mostly white women um who are uh who pretend that it is racist to support progressive policies whatsoever mm -hmm. i was talking about that a little with our guest Eliami, but Man, they they wanted Connor Lamb to win so bad, and uh, yeah, they were saying he was Fetterman was stroking out. That's a word that will never leave my mind. Uh, it was so funny. Well, some I I also saw some jokes from leftists about that. It's like Fetterman stroking out, still destroying Connor Lamb. <laughs> yeah, I think that he was. Uh, I think I think he was. Um, referring to to the subtweeting that the k had with that one because man it was just it i mean imagine giving your time and energy to campaign for connor lamb like when i vote for connor lamb in you know a contest against a republican i don't know probably begrudgingly you know but like to be actively sending like text messages campaigning phone banking canvassing i mean Oh my God, there's almost anything I would rather do with my time, you know? Yeah. Well, I think I think a lot of these, to be totally honest, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that to a certain brand of woman who is drawn to the K-Hive anyways, they think like Connor Lamb is hot. Yeah, that could be. But I also think that it's this like, I mean, I was thinking about it. I saw this tweet recently that said something like, I don't remember exactly what it said, but something very close to, you know, no black people support having their student loans forgiven. And it, it there's just like, there's this like a, 
like with Hillary's campaign in 2016, like this idea that it's somehow less racist to be a centrist. And, and, you know, she did that because she was running against Bernie Sanders, you know, whose, whose policies actually would have helped a lot more people. Uh, this idea has kind of metastasized and become like dumber and dumber and more and more reductive. And it is kept alive at this point um, in this news corner of the internet called the KF, and it is totally ridiculous. Summer yeah, Lee. What a week. Summer Lee, too. One of, that was oh, yes. Uh, Summer Lee. Uh, um was i don't i can't remember i can't remember what district she's in i can't either but um here i'm gonna pull it up right now uh she is a, she, pennsylvania 12 and pennsylvania 12 yeah and you know a notable thing about this race is um apac a right-wing israel lobby spent so much money against her uh you know and, and it's just spending, uh, you know, money against progressives in general. Anybody who has even the, the slightest critique of, you know, ar arming Israel with no conditions and, you know, just are putting, you know, so much money in, in attack ads. And, um, you know, it's good that she won because hopefully it will make it less attractive to donors to do this in the future because it didn't work because it ended up being yeah. a waste of money. I, I mean, that's the optimistic perspective, but I mean, chances are they, they will do this, you know? Also, I don't, did you see the, did you see the video that justice Democrats put out about APAC? I did see that. Yeah. It's really good. Um, it's uh, Charlie Barty, who's a friend of mine, who's a comedian and it's a great video and it really it does, is. It does explain it pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we can link that in the show notes. Um, but... And Bernie, you know, was talking about this too. I'm, I'm. Uh, he promoted a Dave Weigel's documentary, um, mm -hmm. and yeah, uh, wait, is it a documentary or was it? Yeah, I think so, um, or an article. I will find that. And we'll link it too. But you know, it's um, it, yeah, it, it it was very. Uh, Summer Lee was up by 25 points and then APAC stepped in and, and then it was like, I think a really, really, really close race, like a, mm -hmm. a thousand votes. And so, you know, I mean, like liberals have been freaking out somewhat justifiably for, you know, six years now about foreign interference in our election in, in terms of Putin and Russia and these troll farms. Yeah, well, this is also foreign interference in our in our election. I don't want to represent like this isn't this is an this is like the right of Israel, mm -hmm. like same as not every person is a neocon here. Right. You know, not every person in Israel is is down with APAC, but you know, this this faction. Uh it's really gross. Yeah. It's bad. Um, and Fetterman, you know, I I'm sure he has views that are a, a bit more. Uh, centrist or bad than than some of the stuff that I, um, you know, that the will stand. But for now, it's just really funny and amazing that he won, and we love to see it. We love to see it. Yeah, we don't. Again, we don't stand politicians. Yeah. Um, I. 
but the the fact remains that he is far, he was far and away the furthest left in uh in the field with a viable chance and he won and so that's a victory and we're allowed to celebrate uh you hear that everybody we're we can celebrate good stuff and um yeah but uh other than that a uh, pretty depressing Newsweek Republicans. All basically, all the Republicans voted against um, mobilizing uh, materials and resources to help with the formula shortage. Um, so they don't care about babies, which we all knew. Um, yeah, there's a lot of talk. I'm, I want to highlight for a second this domestic terrorism, domestic terrorism prevention act, you know, which is was passed in the wake of the Buffalo shooter, mm-hmm. you know, allegedly uh, to give intelligence agencies, FBI, DHS, and uh, the CIA more more power to surveil and um, you know go after Nazis, which. Uh, you know, given the history of DHS, the FBI and the CIA, I think that we need to be extremely concerned about yeah. this ex- expanded surveillance power. Um, I, you know, the, in recent years, uh, U.S. intelligence has um, defined, you know, uh, certain groups as a potential terrorist threats, extremists, uh, quote unquote, black identity extremists, a.k.a. BLM protesters, um, also uh, pro-choice extremists. You know, this to me, this whole squad voted for this, which appalls Mm -hmm. me, honestly, because, you know, I think we're about to see a lot of civil unrest, uh, most of it peaceful with the, um, you know, when when Roe uh, falls and with other rollbacks of people's rights. And this is for sure going to be weaponized to an extreme degree against activists, um, you know, and, and also to harass people for racist reasons in the same way that the Patriot Patriot Act was. And I, I don't know. I don't think that this is a win, you know? Mm. Yeah, I don't. I I don't I don't know enough about I need to read more about it. I feel uh I feel pretty ignorant about this one. I didn't uh I didn't but from what you said, I don't like it. <laughs> I, I think any any expansion of surveillance in the police Oh yeah, sure. We can pretty much always say that no matter what moral reason is, you know, given for that. Okay. Even if let's, let's say, let's accept the completely fake premise that when Democrats in office, they're, they're, they're going to use all their power for, for good. I I don't Mm -hmm. think that, but I know a lot of people do. So let's say, even if that's true. Okay. Well, you know, Republicans are going to be in office soon. That's kind of an inevitability. Like what's it going to be like when the people, you know, are uh, pursuing a Republican agenda with the Mm -hmm. additional powers that have been given to them. So I, you know, I always think it's, it's it's good in general to oppose um any expansion of surveillance or police powers i agree i agree i think that that's a that's a fine rule to stand by yeah um (laughs) even though you have a cop dad (laughs) i mean yeah i mean the fact that i have a cop dad makes me especially no i was gonna say you've been you've been uh opposing police surveillance since day one 
three, four years old, you know, so. I was like, fuck the police. And his his name is dad. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I was, I, it's funny because I was talking to a coworker about this last night because she, I mean, her dad was a prosecutor in Rochester, New York. And he is like, honestly, it made me feel kind of like grateful that my, that my dad is, even as you know relatively on the level as he is because her dad has you know she was talking about it and it sounds like her dad has like full worms for brains like like full-on maga believes in replacement theory believes like all this stuff like even before the leak the alito leak just like texted her out of the blue a few months ago being like you know abortion is murder right like i i don't know that shit FYI. is yeah <laughs> and <laughs> i don't know it just it made me really grateful that my that my dad is uh e- even though he is still wrong about truly so much there's so much he is wrong about uh that i uh, i i don't have to like i I'm not arguing with someone who is that far gone. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyways, my dad's insane. I um, I think a lot of people's dads are are having a hard time right now. You know, <laughs> it's a hard uh, time for dads. Yeah, I can't remember if we you know talked about Tucker Carlson, but speaking of bullshit uh <laughs> dad's watch uh, you know i i think i'm glad to see tucker carlson getting some heat for the racist shit that he's been promoting on his show for a very mm-hmm. long time at this point um mm-hmm. i hate the guy i'm very upset about the fact that you know there's some people you know greenwald but not just greenwald that are like promoting the idea that you know, Tucker Carlson is somehow a populist king. I'm, I can't make the imaginary jack off motion hard enough for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. There is a certain subset of, of people who, who cut their teeth in left-wing media spheres, left-wing like cultural commentary or political commentary who have just gone off the deep end um, and are, you know, you don't, as much as you don't want to believe horseshoe theory exists <laughs> or, or, or you don't want to believe in the validity of horseshoe theory, uh, they make it hard, these, these, these people. Well, I mean... When people ask me about horseshoe theory, I mean, so, okay, here's horseshoe theory is not real in the sense that fascism and communism truly could not be more ideologically different, you Mm -hmm. know, Um, has every socialist state been perfect? No, like, obviously, like the individuals who uh, carried this out you know, made, made some mistakes, um, resulting in people's death in the same way that the capitalism has, right? Like if you want to, you know, I'm not, I'm, I am not a tanky, I'm not going to, you know, stand up for Stalin here or anything like that. But, you know, at the same time, you know, we're just talking about the war in Iraq, um, resulting in, in so much death for a U.S. imperial project. So, you know, I don't think there's anything similar ideologically. However, this notion of, populism 
just populism, any populism that is really taking off and it's completely uh, brain dead, like yeah. right, right wing populism is not a thing. Like, right. it's just like, it's, I mean, you see like these networks, like the, you know, the Hill in particular, um, they have the show rising, which they've had some really good guests on. A lot of my friends have been on that show. Um, you know, they, they've had some good content. I'm not universally knocking it, but you look at, okay, why are the billionaire right-wing backers of the Hill, um, you know, promoting, like left beliefs on their network. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, it's, it's because it's, it's paired next to uh, very right-wing people who are arguing like, um, you know, basically, oh, we can all, you know, stand up for the working class together. Well, okay. The way that I want to stand up, I, the way I, you know, for me, that's a, a robust labor movement and an NLRB that uh, finds the shit out of union busters and, you know, just uh, a robust social safety net and a uh, yeah. billionaires being taxed in a way that pains them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and right wing populism is this fucking great replacement shit that, mm -hmm. you know, is like super anti-immigrants and yeah, I mean, just fucking... like really reactionary, like socially yeah. reactionary and involves the complete eradication in some cases of people's like civil liberties. Yes, it's it's absolutely disgusting. And, you know, I, I think that like, I'm, I don't know how many people truly believe like, I, you know, I, if somebody is OK, like if your friend is like somebody who is like really uh, mad about like the way that you know workers are treated in this country and you know um like mentioned something about you know how a, a certain right-wing media figure or you know politician is is also uh, you know talking about that i absolutely think that you should engage with that person and you know talk to them about like yeah the the stuff that you're perceiving about like you know, low wages and, and bad conditions, like that's totally true. But like these people do not have the answer, you know, and like Bernie Sanders in particular is just like really, 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 really good at that. Best of the best when it yeah. comes to somebody who is able to kind of like take, um, you know, conservative anti-establishment anger and like channel it to something positive uh mm -hmm. but i don't know like and a, a common enemy who actually deserve who actually are the real enemy which yeah. is like you know the people who the people at the very top who are hoarding all the resources for themselves yeah and yeah. not black and brown people which is what right -wing right -wing populists will yeah. Demonize. yeah yeah or even like uh you know right immigrants and the woke Libs. The woke libs. Which woke libs? Okay, you know they're super annoying sometimes. But I mean, if you're if if a lib saying something like, oh, you know, we need to ban all sex scenes from movies or something, which is like a, a take this week. Like if if you see something like that and are like, oh, I must vote Republican now. I mean, you're just a complete dumbass. You yeah. Know? So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, yeah, and and the whole thing this week with like Elon Musk, quote unquote, announcing that he's going to be voting Republican from now on, as if that's news to anyone. Well, did you see why that he did that? Yeah, well, because he well, he was getting out in front of he. Okay, so he announced that he was voting Republican. And then he said, political attacks on me will be escalating greatly in the coming months. And then like clockwork, a um, there was a news story released that he um, exposed himself to um, a female worker on the SpaceX flight uh, and settled with her for $250,000. Yeah, to, and including making her sign an NDA. An NDA, yeah. And, you know, the, the reporter, you know, for the story confirms that uh, Elon Musk had been um, reached out to for comments before he made this, you know. This pronouncement about yeah. the uh, about the escalating political attacks. And now he's going on Twitter being like, she would know exactly what my penis looks like. I pulled up the true. tweet. Let me read this word for word because it's so good. <laughs> but I have to, but I have a challenge to this liar who claims their friend saw me exposed. Describe just one thing, anything at all, scars, tattoos that isn't known by the public she won't be able to do so because it never happens i mean i guess elon musk you know has a weird dick or something you know which is guys think that their dicks are so they really do think that their dicks are so special and little snowflakes that we would be able to immediately pull one out of a lineup, recognize one uh, compared to other dicks. And I'm just, I'm sorry to say, we just can't. Yeah, I mean, you're like, if a guy... They're all, they all just kind of flow together. If, if a dude is like whipping out his dick, and it, this has happened to me multiple times, have, uh, had dicks inflicted on me that I don't want to see. Uh, and in that situation, you're trying not to look at the dick. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. You're you're like you're and you want to erase the memory of said dick from your mind as soon. Like as I've seen, I've seen guys. This has happened more than once. I've seen a man on the train in New York jacking off. I couldn't tell you what his dick wow, looks like. Brag, brag. <laughs> um, I couldn't tell you what his dick looks like because I'm not trying. I'm not like studying it. You fucking freak. Are you serious? It's disgusting. When it's a dick you don't want to see, you're trying not to look at it. Yeah. That's the title of the episode this week, When It's a Dick You Don't Want to See. Um, when it's a dick you don't want to see. So, and on that note, what a perfect way to end. Okay, so I, we have a really good interview this week. Um, I talked to Olaimi Oluren, who is a public defender here in Brooklyn. Uh, no, actually, I think that she's a public defender in Queens, um, but um, here in New York City, let's go with that. Um, but we, we talked about, you know, in in terms of like her experience as a public defender, like how what we can actually expect to see play out as a result of this uh, conservative legal movement and the the terrible, terrible victories they're having. And we also talked about, you know, how people are actually effectively pushing back against white supremacy in the United States and, you know, how the Buffalo shooter is being talked about. I think it was a really good interview. Uh, Alarmy is an incredibly smart person who, 
you know, really is doing the work to get people out of jail every single day. And uh, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed talking to her. So I hope that you enjoy this interview as well. Thanks, everybody. Hello and welcome back to Reply, guys. I'm so excited this week that we are joined by repeat guest, Olaimi Aloran, and she is a public defender in New York who is also a really excellent writer. And I'm just, I'm so stoked that you're back on the show. Thank you. Good. I'm glad to be here, boo. Um, so... <laughs> a lot has happened. I think the last time you were on was probably like fall, but yeah. Um, so Bravo, go. yeah. So uh, so um, you know, a lot of a lot has happened in uh, in legal land. <laughs> um, yes. A lot of different uh, fascist laws <laughs> happening. Yes. So yes. what's your like? I mean, general impressions as a lawyer, like what it's like to see all of this shit coming down right now. Uh, okay, so it's definitely a shit show. Like, I want to I wanna first acknowledge that it is a shit show. It does feel like an extreme... You know, I'll say I think something I think about every day is realizing that I'm just going to be saying the sky is blue and two plus two equals four for the rest of my life. Because it's not actually surprising, right? Like, everything that's crazy that's happening when you see, you know, Roe v. overturned, what that means for a host of other rights, all these different things that are happening are very much so they were anticipated. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not a shocker to anybody that's paying attention or having an honest conversation about what the political or even historical landscape of America is. So everything is what it is, right? The last time I was here, I was talking about Rikers being a terrible situation where people are dying in Rikers. That's still the case. More people have died, right? We're seeing now what's happening with Roe and all the different rights. We've been saying for years that Roe was in danger and they're going to do this. So it's like, oh, it's a shit show, but it's also business as usual, right? Yeah. Yeah, I saw, you know, this article the other day in the New York Times that was uh, it had an incredible title. Um, what would a feminist jail look like? Um, which is like, uh, that's one of those things like liberalism. Dot JPEG. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so I guess, I guess it, you probably know what they're talking about. They're closing down a women's jail in New York and they're rebuilding a new one. What the hell is going on? All right. For... All right. Let me let me explain this. Jail don't have nothing to do with feminism. Yeah. <laughs> There's I, no way. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, there isn't even a way to argue it like there. It doesn't even make any sense. What what do you think feminism is that you think feminism can have some ideals that somehow correlate with prison? Yeah, like I, I, it makes no sense. Right. All it really means is. We are committed to mass incarceration. We recognize that there are all kinds of inhumane things that are happening in the jails and prisons, but we refuse to live a world without them. So what we will do is pretend that the soil under this particular jail is what's you know corrupting the spirit and we'll open something else and that will be different. It will not be different because everything about prison and jail that makes it fucking inhumane is intentional. So what is it, unless you are denouncing the entire practices of what is jail or what is prison that led to these circumstances that you are deliberately putting in place and funding and hiring people to carry out every year, what is going to be different about this one? What makes it a feminist jail? I, what, what, tell me, tell me how. <laughs> it's literally like that, um, more women guards tweet. Have you seen that one? Oh, this was, 
This was the tweet that introduced me to socialist feminism um, back when I was liberal. It's by some, <laughs> a, a user named Maple Cocaine, and this was from like 2017, and it was conservatives. Let's round up all the Muslims and put them in camps. Liberals, hire more women guards with the little claps. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, maybe the way that I have been seeing feminism is a little limited, you know? It's because people don't understand what it means to have a systemic problem it's 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 the issue i have when you know people tend to think words you use or calling something are just like they're arbitrary right that we just chose them for no reason it's the whole purpose of saying something is a systemic problem is recognizing that this is a literal system issue it's systematic it's being but it's being put in place like this it's not an individual thing so what happens is it's the same thing with police you policing we say there's a systemic problem with policing policing in and of itself is racist and um, um violent and all these things are an aspect of how it is and it will be perpetuated through the system regardless of who the individual actors are people's response is still to start having an individual conversation Oh, if we had more good cops, we had more black cops, we had more people, then you would just have all these different individuals. You would just have a diverse, diverse view of discrimination and violence. So it's the same thing to say, you know, more women cops or have a feminist jail is refusing to understand that all the problems that lead, all the problems in jail and prison are systemic issues. It has nothing to do with who's carrying it out. If I have an entire, it's like this. If I have, this is my house, right? If I have rules in place in my house, like the entire foundation, the contract for which I created my home, these are the rules when you walk into a Miami gate, you follow these rules. This is how the system operates and yada, yada, yada. And we say, oh, it's really fucked up in a Miami gate, right? We don't like how a Miami and Raheem, man, a Miami gate. So we go and we go get Shayna and a different cat and say, come in here, y'all, 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 y'all be here following all the same rules in the in the same system, the same contract, the same understanding of how things are supposed to operate, but it's not bad now because you got rid of me. And it's not me. You know what I mean? It's not about the individual person. It's about the system in and of itself. So the problem is, it's like they want to acknowledge that jails and prisons are fucked up all around the country. Everything that's happening in jails and prisons in New York City is happening everywhere else, right? That people dying in jails all over the country, that people getting sexually assaulted in jails all over the country, that people overdosing in uh, jails all over the country, there are uh, corrections officers abusing people all over the country because this is what prison and jails are. It doesn't matter where, it doesn't matter what you call it, it doesn't matter who you hire, this is what it is. So unless you want to acknowledge the root problem, this other shit we doing is just putting a Band-Aid on nonsense. Yeah, I mean, as you're talking about that, I'm thinking of, um, you know, about, uh, like, capitalism and basically how people will make the point, you know, a wealth inequality. There's so much wealth inequality right now. We have to fix it. Capitalism is going wrong. And it's like, no, that w- wealth inequality is going capitalism. Is that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, that's exactly it. And it's because they're committed to it. They just don't want to admit people don't like to have honest conversations. I wish people it would be a lot easier. People would just say, actually, I don't give a fuck about people in prison. I actually don't give a fuck about the inhumane conditions of prison because I think those people deserve it. Because at least if they had that honest, fucked up conversation, we could stop engaging in this procedural dance where they act like they don't get it. And, and we feel like we're, we're, we're caught up in this um, game of having to convince them that it's bad. They know what's happening there. They're just OK with it. And I wish they would just say that instead of, you know, trying to massage it and do this other stuff. So I've never been more cynical uh, politically than when I saw the other day. Um, uh, in the news that Joe Biden has um, 
there, there's no, we're rationing vaccines, we're rationing COVID vaccines, and there's uh, remaining, I think, $1.9 billion from COVID funding that has already been distributed. And Joe Biden is encouraging cities to use that for police departments. Well, we're rationing vaccines. He want to give $350 billion to policing. It's disgusting. So, like, you know, to me, like, you know, I'm not trying to be like too much of like a stoner dude here, but to me, it's like, it's hard not to see it like, okay, we're about to have this sort of like um, massive crackdown on rights with all these like Supreme Court decisions. And, you know, things are just getting kind of worse and worse with climate shit and poverty. And there, it seems like, to me, it really seems like the plan for dealing with all this stuff is just to keep funding more cops to crack down on any dissent. Like we just saw they made protest illegal in um, this is residential a police state. areas. Yeah. It, it, America is a police. It's a, it's a police state. America's a police state. There's just no other way around it. Like, right. Because if you think about it, let me put it this way. Police state is us. A factual term. We know what it is that something can be a police state. America gives more money to policing than anywhere else in the world. Like, period. Point blank. It's far. It, 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 it's not close. It's not close. It's billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars given to policing. In fact, I think we already give, we spend over $205 billion on policing. And now they want to give $350 billion more dollars to policing. We have local, the local police department in New York City is better funded than people's militaries. And those are the facts. So if police states exist, and America spends more money, more on policing, more incarceration, more police brutality because we lose police just shoot and kill. That's not even with the amount of deaths that they're not counting as police killings or they're not counting corrections officers. They're not counting, you know, chokeholds and knee restraints and suffocating people. Not any of that. Just shot and killed. Police shot and killed 1,045 people last year. If this isn't a police state, then what is, Right. So it's just as simple as America is, in fact, a police state. What you're, what you're experiencing is fascism. And to say it's not, is just to not want to say the sky is blue. It's just people gaslighting you all day. But that is what it is, right? That's what they're doing. They, we've, see, we've seen it. Listen, police brutality has been on the summer jam screen for years now. If, if at no point in time before 2020, we watched a live reel just all day of police beating, brutalizing, rolling people over, killing people, doing everything that they could just for protesting. And you know what's funny? Let me just say this. They know what it is. They like to gaslight you about it. But both sides, when I say they, I mean the right, the whites, that everybody is fully aware because at the end of the day, when they saw it happening in, in Russia, when they saw how the Russians was getting down with the Ukrainians and blah, 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 they knew it was fascism then. They knew it was, they was like, ooh, white supremacy. This is real fucked up, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, oh, so now you can identify what a police state looks like. And it looks no different than the police all in the streets beating people. The fact that, you know, every time that there's something unjust that happens, like we the minute we got that draft opinion in a row, the first thing they did was send police out into the streets to start beating anybody that dissented against it. The fact that anytime uh, a person is killed by police, what do they do? Send more police out into the streets to go beat anybody that they think might be upset about it. The fact anytime somebody's killed, what do they do? Now we need curfews. Now we need this. Anything to quell any kind of response to it. So what is that? If not, if not, that's not that's not freedom to say what you want. That's not freedom to resist. So police state. Yeah, I mean, it was in Buffalo. I saw this this side by side image juxtaposed of the Buffalo shooter being, you know, walked in handcuffs next to um, a 
man in the 70s who was protesting police violence in summer of 2020 and police pushed him on the ground, <laughs> Push him to the and, ground. and beat him and won the suit and won the lawsuit the by police the way. won the like, lawsuit they didn't pay them. Yeah, yeah 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 that came out they didn't pay the man they did not pay the man they denied it like we ain't see it like we didn't watch all of it yeah yeah, yeah. a decision came out of that maybe like weeks weeks back sometime this year yeah, that old white man that they knocked to the ground out in Buffalo um, in 2020 and they gave him a concussion split handle. Yup, yup. Didn't get that old man a dollar. I mean, you have to be right? in such a fucking sick mindset to beat an elderly person or a pregnant woman or a child. I mean, anyone. But it's like, by the time you're just, by the time you're beating up like... <laughs> A pregnant woman or a kid or a grandpa, like you're sick. You've you've lost the freaking pot. <laughs> Did you see the 61 year old lady Patricia Rodney in New York City? Uh, the other day, the video came out. She she went to the her um her dialysis machine was stolen, and so in order for her, she has serious uh, uh um a serious health issue, obviously, right? And she in order to get a replacement, which she needs, or she would literally be risk of death. She had to get um the the insurance company told her she needed to get a police report. So she goes down to the precinct and she tries to get a police report. Um, they tell her they can't give it to her right then, but they take all the information and stuff. They tell her come back in a few days and they'll give it to her. She comes back in a few days. It's a different police officer behind the table. And they're like, no, we don't do those here at all. We don't do police reports for stolen, for loss or stolen property at the police station. Let's stop right there. Before I address what happens next, let's fucking talk about that. We give almost $11 billion to NYPD. And when an old woman says she needs a police report, they say they don't do that. What the fuck do they do if not that, Kate? $11 million and you can't get this old lady a police report. So that's the first, that's the first point, right? So she goes to go get it and they tell her, uh, okay, come back in a few days. She comes back in a few days. They tell her, we don't do it at all. They said, if you need one, you need to go to Water Street or you need to go into Manhattan to the precinct there. We got precincts on every other. Think about all the precincts. This is an old, old lady in Brooklyn, old black lady. They tell her, no, no, no. Oh, you can't go there. So she gets upset. She's like, listen, I need this. My health, I've been hospitalized. It's really, really serious. Y'all are giving me to run around. This is the next thing. They're like, leave, get out, blah, blah, blah. They get start getting super hostile and aggressive with this old lady, screaming, cussing out. And they go, they say to her, we're recording you. We're recording you. Like their body worn camera. So she says, I'm recording you too. So she pulls it up and she doesn't actually start recording them, but she says to them, but it is all recorded and you can see the video of what happens next. Um, she says, well, I'm recording you too. They take the arm of this 60 something year old lady and twist and break this old lady's arm as she screams for help, crying and screaming. And they're like, you brought this on yourself. You brought this on yourself. You should have left. That's real shit. Look it up. Just happened. And, and she, she sued. That is just heartbreaking and disgusting. And, you know, it's just been... I mean, you know, I think like in in 2020, it really did seem like there was a lot of like a lot of people, even like tried and true libs were like starting to think about things like maybe we should defund the police. Maybe they don't need this much money. Maybe we can send social workers in certain situations. And it it, it seems to have kind of evaporated from the mainstream as an idea because it's deliberate. Yeah, no, because they wanted I, no, to evaporate. No, yeah. no, no doubt. Yeah, you had people, you know, like, um, I mean, Joe Biden 
It, it, it seems like a few things have, have happened, like, you know, Joe Biden running a very pro-cop campaign. We had, you know. And that's why his approval ratings in the goddamn toilet. Let's absolutely. Be, let's let's yeah. acknowledge that. And, yep. And, in the toilet. Eric Adams, I don't think, was the mayor the last time that I talked to you, but he... No, he was not. He started. ran on, you know, a very pro-cop platform. And it's just, you know, I think he, he literally used to be a cop, right? Um, yeah, girl. Yeah. Top cop. Cop. Yeah. Cop. A whole cop. And so there was this, like, idea that, you know, was like, okay, this, you know, th- these radical leftists want to defund the police and... You know, actually, regular voters do not want this, or even specifically. Yeah, they keep coming up with that bullshit. Yeah, they keep coming up with that bullshit. But the Democrats' main voting bases are exactly the people that they're shitting on. This whole idea that we need to pander to uh, the 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 moderate whites and and the conservative—they're not the fucking people voting for Democrats. And we need to start having those honest conversations and calling these people out with this bullshit. The most loyal Democrat voter base are black women. Period, point blank. That's who their base is. The people who came out in droves, first time voters to get the Democrats to get Biden and them elected, Gen Z and all the people you call in the crazy youth and the radicals and blah, blah, blah. And all of those fucking people said Biden is not our number one choice. Of course. We we want Trump the fuck out. They weren't voting for Biden. They were voting against Trump. And they made very clear, listen, you're not my first choice, but I want you here and hopefully I can push you left. If I can push you left, then it's fuck you. And you know that's the case because that's why their their approval ratings are in the toilet. And they keep trying to, you know, there's this deliberate, there's a deliberate attempt to to link Democrats' um, failures or a lack of approval, a lack of desire for Democrats and all this stuff to um, uh, um, the left and, and, and defund the police and activists and progressives and all this stuff. And it doesn't make any fucking sense because, first of all, the main, that, that's your voter base, first of all. So I don't know why you can insist on demonizing your voter base and what they want and what their needs are. The Democrats have this mentality that they are not, that they are a party of their own making rather than a party that is supposed to reflect the needs and wants of their base. Your base wants this shit. So continuing to say, oh, they're crazy and disregard them and this is in the next thing and we're not performing because we're not doing these things that the crazies, the left wants the left is your base so if the left is telling you your most popular campaign prom, prom, uh, promises like forgiving student loans increasing minimum wage you know universal health care all these different things we keep saying until we're blue in the face it's what we want what we want what we want what we want and you not only don't do it but you speak negatively out against it and actively tarnish your base that is why your approval is bad and you can't say oh it's to fund the police and all these different things causing people not to turn out for you because you're not fucking doing it you didn't do it. None of you ran on that campaign. You're not doing it. You're not speaking positively above it. So if you're not performing, what's that really about? I mean, I agree with you 100%. And I think one of the things that is extremely fucked up and cynical is like, okay, so the, the, there's like kind of two things the way that go on with the way that like Democrats talk about their base, right? So yes. one is, you know, these like... um centrists these alleged centrists and it, it it was like a while before i figured out no there literally is no one like that it's literally just a stand-in for corporate interests like this is a yes, completely made up person who you just can't say oh corporations want us to do this so you make up a person whose interests could theoretically align 100 percent with what corporations right. want but then also there's this other thing which is i think you know even more cynical and craven which is Democrats will use black voters to justify 
policies 100%. that hurt black voters, like things 100%. like like things like saying, oh, man, I've seen recently, you know, no black people want student loan forgiveness. It's like, well, I mean, I, I don't think that's true, but it's, it's like it's not true. Of course. Of course, it's not true. Yeah. But people framing it, I guess, is like people framing. And this is, you know, fucking galaxy brain shit, but framing progressive progressive policies that benefit the working class as somehow racist to support yes yes like, yes or they pretend like and then when they actively have black people like me or others or whatever that are in these space talking about it loudly they pretend like those black people don't speak like those are some special kinds of the, the white the rich whites the educated college whites got to them and that's who they're speaking for and not the negroes and blah 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 they do all this nonsense and listen let me put it to you this way. And this is uh, what I argued in my like most recent op-ed. Republicans, if we have this conversation, whenever they're talking about even the people that being critical of Republicans, right, is they always, who who try to make it seem like their problem is just what the Republicans have morphed into. They were like, Republicans used to be a legitimate party, a party with, you know, they were reasonable or they had at least some kind of ideology, da-da-da-da-da, and they've shifted into this crazy thing, right? They've shifted into this crazy white supremacist thing. Let's pretend like they just became that. But the reality would be this. The Republicans shifted into this because their base is fucking crazy, right? They know, let's say their base is fucking crazy and they 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 make the demands of this is where the future is going. If they looked out and they saw who their Gen Z is, their millennials, their youth, their crazies, the equivalent of if, if I, you are to represent the crazy left, right? That's what they have in Madison Cawthorn and all these people prior to before he pissed them off and they decided they need to get them to fuck about <laughs> Yeah, um, the co-gorgy guy. Before they looked up, yeah, they looked out and they said, oh, our base likes these crazies. This is what's the this is our youth. This is who's coming up. This is what the future of the party is. And you know what they did? They fucking rallied around that and the wants and the desires of those crazies. They didn't give a fuck how Democrats feel about it, how the left feel about it, whether or not we think it's legitimate, whether we think it's smart, anything like that. They said our goal is to reflect what our party is becoming or what our party is going to go to and what the directions of that. And they do the same thing. Democrats need to be doing the same thing. Period. Point blank done. There's too much a feeling like, um, it's the same way they do originalism and framers intent. Like they pretend like it's Bible, like it's some kind of gospel. You have to worship this whole idea that the white moderate or the white centrist is who gets to frame the view and ideologies of the parties. Like, Oh, the Bidens of the world are moderates. Who gives a fuck? Biden and them got about two more days left on this earth. Who cares? You know what I mean? No, I'm be- <laughs> Let's be honest. They're not the future of tomorrow. If you, even if I conceded that the, oh, the left is so radical, we're so different, we're so, well, we're a significant amount of the fucking population. We're the people who vote for you. We're telling you what it is that we want or what our direction and how we're changing the trajectory of what is social consciousness. And you know it. It hasn't gone away. You see, the world has drastically changed. The world of 2022 is not even the world that it was in 2011, 2015, 2016, 2018. It's a not different even in 2020. World exactly exactly so it's changing so this whole idea that because y'all are like this or there's these old moderates and centrists that don't it doesn't matter it doesn't matter how you feel about it or the characterization your job is to lean into who the people that vote for you in the world that they want to see and it ain't that and that's why y'all aren't performing because at the end of the day it doesn't matter what you have to say about republicans they rally around their own. Republicans going to make sure they get in, get out. They can get what they want. They're going to serve their base. Crazy, not crazy. They don't give a fuck, okay? They're going to figure that out and make sure they win. Democrats aren't doing either thing. You're not pleasing your party and you're not winning because of it. You know what I mean? So Yes. Yeah, and I mean, I I agree with you 100%. And I, I love the most recent piece you wrote on this. We'll link it in the show notes. However, I will say that, you know, I think that... 
I mean, the, the reason the Republicans do um, do what their base wants is not only because they're politically smarter and better at power, which is true, but it's also because the thing, the things that their base wants for the most it's bigot, part, it's ideology. It, well, yeah, no, for the most away. part, it, it is bigoted, but it also aligns with ruling class interests. Like it's not yeah. like demog- like the left, you, you know, certainly the socialist left, um, but even the progressive left wants things that are a threat to capital, you know, hundred percent. And hundred uh, percent. Yeah. Well, I think honestly, if we're if we're honest, uh, the way and I I have I, this is kind of what I argued in my my team vote piece in in December, but we like to pretend like it's blue versus right, you know what I mean, and ideology versus that. But it's really an alignment in whiteness and whiteness and, and white identity politics. It's the truth. It's the reason why anytime anything, and it doesn't matter how loud, clear, and intentional the right is about all their bigotry. What did the Democrats come out and do? Oh, no, they're not bad. They're not this. They're misunderstood. They come up and all this up because at the end of the day, what they're aligned is, is we're all white. Like we're all, you know what I mean? For the most part, who you're hearing from establishment, de- establishment Dems are white people that converse with these people. These are decided is it can't ever be just that they're the bigots that they are or whatever it is. And they're very much so aligned around that. They are rallied around that, um, that whole whiteness and identity politics of it all. So, yeah, child. Yeah, it is. It is what it is. But it. It's a shit show, but to my original point, none of it surprises me. This is, of course, I, no. I mean, it's it's it is extremely unsurprising. I would say it's um, you know, it's really been um, certainly upsetting how quickly, yeah. at least I perceive fascism to be accelerating. Like I I saw an article in the New York Times the other day that something like. 700 elected Republicans are members of far right organizations like either racist groups or militias. Um, and that, you know, obviously we because just the ha- Republicans themselves are a far right group. Oh, yeah, they are like that's the that's the part that like it's so funny to me. These people like I just saw an article actually on my timeline that was like uh, in order to to stop these these far right extremism um, and these teens, like these shooters and stuff or whatever, we need to, people need to be engaging their teens. Where the fuck do you think far-right extremism and their teenagers and children are coming from? A vacuum? You think they're being born in a, in a bubble somewhere? They're far-right extremist parents, far-right extremist community, far-right extremist media, far-right extremist... Like, that's how it's happening. They're not just existing. You, you tell an oh, the parents should engage the teens. They did. How do you think they got that way? You think my parents uh, are some conservatives at home? Like <laughs> You think I'm like this? And my parents are like super pro-establishment? No. Our parents were the products of our environment. We're the products of what we're taught. We're the products of our community and stuff like that. And it's this, the, the reason why we keep ending here is because people insist on pretending like these are individual instances. And it's so funny because, and again, it all boils back to racism because black people can't do nothing and we be individuals. It, it, like, it don't matter how individual it is, we represent the entire community. You know, the entire community is a reflection of the one black person. Meanwhile, we could have an entire uh, uh, white supremacist party with a white supremacist media, white supremacy being spewed all day, every day on the airwaves openly. Then we have a white supremacist drive hours away they don't even live. He does not even imagine racism that powerful. He doesn't even live around black people. Don't know no black people. Don't see no black people. Just sitting at home consuming all of this. You know what I mean? And stewing and developing a hatred so deep. He jumps in a car and drives to find black people just to fucking murder them with a manifesto about the white supremacist beliefs he has that are literally 
all of the beliefs we already know and hear from this party on the mainstream. There are people sitting in Congress spewing the same shit. This white supremacist is spewing and then like, oh, in order for us to stop these kinds of things from happening, people need to engage their teens, talk to their children. They are. They're creating them. It's a deliberate, concerted effort. One aren't you? What are we getting here? And then you have bullshit like Elon Musk getting online on Twitter today talking about, oh, he's going to he's not going to be a Democrat no more because that was a party of kindness. But now it's the most divisive, hateful. What the f- like they do these things on top on intentionally just to blo- boil your blood. Right. Like we are literally in the middle of 10, 10 black people dead because of the foolishness that's being spewed and the belief systems and all of this from the right. And then they want to call the left divisive. It's all a. It's just to make your head spin. I had to stop myself like, you know what? Don't even engage the nonsense. They know what they say and they know what they're doing. Um, it's it's deliberate. And that's why, unfortunately, the same way this wasn't the first time something like this is happening. They've been killing black people like this. White supremacists have been killing black people since literally the origin of this country. Black people and all kinds of marginalized people have been in danger. This is not the first shooting of black people. This is not... Uh, we, we've seen bombings. We've seen entire decimations of town. Shit. Central Park is built on Seneca Village, which was a black community. Like it's very much so in plain day all the time, everywhere around you. And then they're going to sit up and act like, how do we get here? Hopefully this is the end and it won't be the last. It's not going to be the last. You know why? Because they never address the root causes. It's the same thing as the earlier conversation about policing and everything. All they want to do is pretend like this shit is just happening out of nowhere and it's not. Okay, the problem is white supremacy. And at the end of the day, as long as we have white supremacy is so accepted in the mainstream that you could have an entire party and politicians and stuff making law all around the country and justifying it, we're going to keep getting the same results. It is absolutely disgusting. I mean, the last week um, with the baby formula crisis, I don't know if you saw this, but Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, and other members of the Texas GOP were, you know, calling on Biden to stop sending formula to immigration detention centers. Okay. That, I mean, that's calling for infanticide. That's, that's genocidal. That's you're, you're calling for the, the genocide of immigrants and, and that's what I want. Oh yeah. And that's that's what I want. And it's, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, to myself, I mean, I like, you know, I just I I completely agree with you that, um, you know, these beliefs are passed down through parents. Hopefully there's some people that, you know, do have parents. Who, I'm like, I know I know various people that their parents are like shitty racist Trump supporters, but then they're not. They like are pissed off at their parents. But most of the time it is passed down. And I also don't think that the police are going to uh stop this racist violence even even if uh you know even if police did anything which they don't like the police are also racist and they believe the same things as the buffalo shooter so they're not really going to go after them so i mean i'm just kind of at a loss of like you know what what can people do i mean it may not be on an individual level it may be solely on a policy level but like how can we back up from this um th- this fascism that is, has always existed but is, is becoming more and more uh enshrined <laughs> into law um well I, here's my thing i think the problem is and feeling like very overwhelmed like people have especially in the left and i get it right like we feel like despair and like you know hopelessness and like overwhelmed and stuff by by um 
it feeling like this is always going to be the thing. It's an uphill battle or, you know, it's getting worse. And what do we do? But I think there's some there's a lot of I think there's freedom in recognizing that nothing is new. It feels this way to you because this is our first time going. This is our first time around the world, around around Earth. Right. This is our, our one time here. So it's like, oh, my God. And you feel like you're seeing it worse and you're seeing this. But but all you're doing is seeing it. Right. Like there's not a there's not one single thing we can describe right now that's happening in America or that's even going to happen is a slippery slope that hasn't happened before. <laughs> like the reason we even got Roe versus Wade is because the world we're scared of America becoming is what America was, right? Like they, they were always on that. It's the same way all these different Republicans that are sitting under there because they couldn't wait to say these things. Clarence Thomas and them have been foaming at the mouth to get an opportunity to overturn Roe and to do these different things because they always fucking wanted to. It's not new. The world that they want and they want to see it or whatever has been the case. And so as far as, you know, feeling like, oh, well, what do we do? What do we do is we change the times, like not for nothing, right? When you think about it, there's 2022. As a black person, the shit I say, or even like the fact that we could have this conversation, I could be like, this is fucking racist. This is fascism. This is this, this is that, that, that. In this very same country, there was a point in time where they took my ass out the game a long time, just off the strength. You couldn't even say that, right? There are things that we espouse of what's being called, you know, leftist views and all of this. It's nothing but what Asada Shakur and all the Black Panthers and all these different Black activists and stuff that they have killed and exiled and done all these different things have said just being repackaged differently because the problems are the same, the issue the same, the responses are the same, but you have to acknowledge like we do progress in the sense that we could even say anything. You know what I mean? Like you can't even always resist. You can't even fight. You can't even say that. You can't even change social consciousness. The fact that, you know, we're having these conversations and there's a swelling of people understanding or the generation beneath us is coming up and they recognize that and they're fighting this and they're talking about this and there is even all this resistance. The fact that they can't even do any of these things without people immediately taking to the streets is a reflection of the fact that there is pushback to this. There is an overwhelming of support, you know, like, in the same way, it feels impossible to abolish, abolish the prison system or it feels uh, impossible to eradicate racism or white supremacy. That was how people felt. People felt this exact same way. In, uh, before it was abolition of prison, it was abolition of slavery. It was abolition of all these different things, right? And that was way, fu- that was, trust me, seemed way fucking more insurmountable. If it seems impossible to get uh, the two, there are two million people incarcerated in America, right? If it seems impossible to get those two million free, at one point in time, every marginalized group that are being disproportionately incarcerated were just fully enslaved. You know what I mean? We were in fully and far, far worse positions, and we did manage to work, and people did collectively organize, and people did educate us out of those particular worlds, or you know what I mean, or or, or how uh, overwhelming that was in a day to day. So for me, it's like, you know, I don't see it as. Um, you know, what do we do? Or it's getting worse or it's any, no, it's not. You know what I mean? We might be seeing, you know, incidents and statistics and it feels, you know, I'm sure there's some kind of acceleration in terms of the numbers and incidents that we see that may, maybe, but that's because what was being reported, what's being talked about. We just have, we just have more of ability to, to show it, to reveal it, to connect us, um, um, on a world scale, you know, uh, the fact in the, in the, in the founding of the country, right. In the federalist papers, I think it's in, um, federalist paper number 10, they talk about factions, right? The whole point that like factions or these people, these groups, these resistance and groups and stuff would have a hard time being able to uh, mobilize around the country and in terms of like to rally against all these different issues and stuff because of just the nature of time, what time was. Like, there was no way to really connect all over the place. You were completely disjointed in community and states and all of these different stuff. And from that world, we're in the world now well, we like I could know we know all this was happening. My mummy is as just my mummy lives in the Bahamas and she's just as informed about what's happening in America and all the different incidents and people are talking because we're connected. So I don't feel the same level of dread like, 
oh, this isn't gonna, this isn't gonna this, and it's gonna keep going. Yeah, we're gonna keep seeing things. There's always gonna be that. Like, we're gonna keep seeing, you know, horrible, tragic events and blah, 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 blah. But we are making progress and we're gonna make progress. I think people like, and they do it intentionally because they want people to be dissuaded. They want people to feel defeated and they want you to give up. You know, they make you feel like, oh, well, nothing's changing. Look at all those protests in, in 2020 and nothing's changing. And look at all this and look at the pushback. Abolition ain't start in 2020. The resistance to police brutality ain't start in 2020. You know, all these different things didn't start there and stuff. But they're all kind of people that came up with these different things in academia that were organizing on a much lower level that were trying to teach and educate and write these kinds of books. Patricia J. Williams and all these people writing these things, been writing about it from the 90s, the 80s, the 70s, the 60s, the 50s. And look at us now regularly recycling these ideas. We got we could talk about abolition and get people on board with that. The fact that there isn't even any support for a defund the police movement, you know what I mean, tells us that we are making progress forward. So for me, it's like, you just keep going in the same way if 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 your oppression and the circumstances that leave you disenfranchised that leave you marginalized that leave you that leave you um in a in a in a subjugated position in society continue then a fight has to continue right like to me it's not an option to look at it as like oh what do we do or what's going to get worse if somebody's if somebody's slapping the shit at you out of you you don't stop fighting them back you don't stop trying to get their hands off you don't you so it's like if they're going to keep doing it you keep resisting you will constantly see progress and you know that because you can. Just the fact that you have the ability to do it is a reflection of the blood, sweat, and tears of the people before you. So they're always going to be, unfortunately, that's the reality of the world. You're between a rock and a hard place. There is no option where we magically, we click a button and no one suffers. No more tragedy happens. No more people wrongly are incarcerated. No more people are killed on death penalty. No women, you know, lose out. No more black people are murdered. That shit is going to happen. It's going to happen. It wasn't the first time yesterday with the Buffalo shooting. It ain't going to be the last time. None of it is new. It's going to happen. But you don't get the 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 the, the unfortunate thing is progress isn't always visible. Like you don't get to see the tragedy that you prevented from occurring, right? Yeah. Like in your mind, you you see the Buffalo shooting, but you don't know how much other fuck shit, you know what I mean? They wanted to do or could have happened or whatever if the world wasn't changing. You don't know, you don't get to see when you when you write something and people read that and they say, oh shit, I didn't fucking know that. I hadn't thought about the world. I didn't even know that a kind of history. I didn't know that about policing and that changes how they view, you know, something and then what they teach other people and how they go out and how they vote. You don't get to see what you what you prevent, you know what I mean? Or how you change and shift people's consciousness so it's easy to feel like I'm not doing anything because all you do get to see is the examples of shit going awry. Yeah. So I see it as like that. Like, yeah, it's bad. It's bad, but it's been worse. It's been worse and it'll get better. You know what I mean? In my lifetime, is there gonna be a I'm gonna feel tragedy. We're gonna experience tragedy for the rest of our days. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm sure my last breath in the surf, the last day they will be doing fuck shit that I'll be saying, Y'all see? But it'll be better. It'll be better. Cause like I said, People like me couldn't even even say things. You know what I mean? I'm an immigrant. I'm not even from here. And I got to run my mouth and fight this and be in the courts and get people out of jail. You know, I think about it like there are a thousand, I've probably gotten a thousand people out of jail. That's a thousand people that are not in jail. And that's only because if I did this job, it's because someone educated me and someone radicalized me and call it. Somebody made me think these things. So I went into this career path and you do that. So you change is inspired in a significant amount of ways more than just. Was I able to get the system abolished tomorrow? No. You know what I mean? But are you doing the work and creating the people and inspiring the minds and shifting the consciousness that lead to that? Sure you are. I think that is a really useful perspective. Like in terms of, you know, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about like just I, I think, you know, like like to your point about, you know, abolition isn't like we're not abolishing police and prison tomorrow, but you got a thousand people out of jail. I've been thinking like, you know, I think like for leftists right now, it's, it's such a, 
heartbreaking uh, time, like just because there's nothing. It doesn't. It doesn't look like anything we want to happen is is going to happen. You know, on a at least on a federal level for a really long time. And to me, it yeah. seems like you know the answer, like to stay sane, is to be doing stuff in our communities. You know, to, working with mutual aid organizations. You know, working with. Um, you know, I I know someone who volunteers for the Trevor Project and is, you know, fielding calls from trans teenagers who are um, experiencing, you know, extreme mental health declines as a direct result of this horrific legislation. And it's like, right, you know, if we don't step up and do this stuff to like actively make our world better right now. Like nobody else is going to do it. It's just not going to be done, right. you know? <laughs> like Right. Right. If I think people got to remember the experience is day to day. You know, we put too much faith. Unfortunately, we, we put too much um stock in progress. We we keep we need to stop measuring progress by what the landscape of the legal system looks like. The legal system is what, you know, legitimizes sanctions and maintains the the, the systems of oppression that we're in, right? So we need to stop also looking looking to them as a measure of our personal progress and as a measure of salvation. That's not where we're going to get it. And the legal system is eventually all powers that be will eventually reflect what gives them power. You know what I mean? If the if we're able to change and shift what is social consciousness, everything will eventually come to come and reflect that. It's the same way, you know, people would not in good faith, even the craziest of the right in the most white supremacists and racists and extremists and stuff like that, even if they think it, and trust me, they do, they would never come and publicly say, you know what I mean? Oh, we think black people should be enslaved. We should think all these different things or whatever, because it is no longer acceptable. You know what I mean? Mainstream are, it is no longer a reflection of our civil society for you to hold those kinds of views. So eventually people come to the tides, you know what I mean? Based on what we changed the world to be in. It's the same way when I was growing up, and not just growing up at high school, college or whatever, all politicians felt like they need to run on a tough, a tough on crime agenda. We now live on a world where you run, run on a tough on crime agenda and we're going to fucking, you know what I mean? The left, the Democrats, you're going to experience a, a significant amount of pushback and people try to keep you up. That's a reflection of us, pro- of progress and us changing the times and changing this and shifting, shifting what is that landscape. So if I think if we, we put too much stock on 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 the legal system when we should be put it on the education system. That's my personal belief system. I think where you see social social consciousness to me has the biggest impact on on what our, our what our policies are going to look like and what our politicians are going to look like and what the powers that be come to look like. So if we focus on on educating each other, changing the day to day, what information we're consuming, that's what changes it. It's, that's what makes the media so important, right? The media aren't the people. You know, doing the politics and doing this, da 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 da. But we recognize how power they powerful they are based on how they talk to us, what they say. Because people consume. The average person is a consumer. You know what I mean? What they read, they don't. They don't have an understanding of what they don't know. All the history, they don't think like what's behind this paper. They just look at what they're being fed. That's why we, you know, we find it so problematic when they use dehumanizing language, when they just quote from the police, and when they do these things because people consume that. So what we need to be focused on is changing what consumption is. And if we continue to do what we've been doing, and we have, you know what I mean? We have made significant strides to the world you know the world that we're in in terms of how we see marginalized people how we see the system and how it's treating them and stuff if we keep doing that we'll eventually get the legal system and all these different things to reflect that and so i think we we have to look at it like that and stop seeing everything as like um a lost battle you know i i i mean it's definitely (laughs) i i I was this is a 
the way that you think about things is uh, substantially more optimistic than the way that I've been thinking about things. And I think... I'll check that out. No one's ever called me an optimist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not a doomer. You're doing the work every day um, to to live your values. And it's amazing. Um, you know, so even even though the legal system is, is definitely not the... Um, the end all be all of our path to change. I do, I am wondering like for you, you're a public defender, like how much do you think, you know, this very right wing Supreme Court is going to affect the life of your clients and, and the types of things that, that you see in court on, on a daily basis? Um, I think, uh, I think the court is rolled, is, is poised to, um, fuck life up substantially for marginalized groups. <laughs> I, I don't, for one second, um, in any way, am I going to minimize that at all? Because it doesn't stop here. And then and, and that's not like, that's not being dramatic. That's not being alarmist. That's being a bitch who reads. I read the 98 page opinion and I'm a lawyer. I know what the fuck it says. <laughs> like, all right. They have, they're, they're coming to get you. What people don't understand is, you know, it's frustrating as a lawyer, how much people, don't seem to understand that the law is not just the text that you're reading. You know what I mean? Like they don't get, you know, law school, you go to law school so that you could learn what all you don't know. So you could recognize like what are the things you got to look into and how much bigger the picture is. People will do some shit like they'll read the fourth amendment and like copy and paste the fourth amendment and be like, it's so fucking clear. Look, and not recognizing that there is a doctrinal thread on every single word in that has been defined, argued, statute of interpretations, a million different cases and precedents and stuff like this is what people don't get. So the right, the right to abortion uh, um, from Roe versus Wade is codified. We get through what they call um, substantive due process, right? The right to privacy. There's a case called Griswold versus Connecticut where some um, people so sue because the state had been in front, like, trying to prevent them from being able to buy contraceptives, right? So they sued about that. And the court found something um, called the penumbra of rights. But basically that we have this right to privacy and the penumbra that emanates off of that creates all these other substantive due process rights that are anchored in this right to privacy. So from that, from this right to privacy, we get the right to contraceptives. In that case, Griswold, we get Roe versus Wade, we have the right to abortion, Um, we get loving versus virginia uh we get we get a significant amount of rights in substantive due process land if they say fuck the basis of the entire all the shit that comes from this penumbra all these different civil liberties that are emanating from this penumbra of rights is what the supreme court call it they're all molly they're all fucking doomed <laughs> okay it's not it's not one one you know they look at it as like oh that's just abortion it's not abortion like if you look at a tree if it's a tree and the right to abortion is one branch and then there's the right to contraceptives the right to um um direct the upbringing of your ed- children's education the right to interracial marriage the right to um you know gay sex the right to gay marriage all these and these are all different ca- a bunch of different cases child they're not, they didn't just hack at the right to abortion thing. They took the ax to the bottom of the tree, right? To privacy, where all this came from. And they were like, get that shit out of here. Like, that's what's happening. So I say all that to say, oh, child, it's about to be doomsday. I'm not going, I'm not going, I'm not going to hold you. Like, all that optimism and stuff, we this doomsday. Like, people will, I told you, tragedy will occur. People will suffer. We will not all make it. <laughs> like, that is the truth. So, child. But I will say this, we didn't know it was coming. 
All yeah. the people, that's what I keep saying about, you know, history. The whole purpose of history is to recognize, is to better understand your current circumstances and the world you're looking in. Remember how in 2020, when we first got hit with this pandemic, like how crazy it was to wrap your head around. You couldn't even fathom that you would, no one, no one ever hits you to the fact that you were going to ever experience a fucking worldwide pandemic. You didn't realize that. And then immediately all the historians and all the educated people started pulling out all the stuff showing you where we've been at got pandemics. And yeah. All and they were like, things and in, like, in 2017, it was like, there was, I remember that there was like this magazine cover the Atlantic and yeah, there was some stupid ass article, you know, by Jesse single about, you know, should we let trans kids get healthcare? It, front front page, dumbass culture war, stupid baiting bullshit. And then in the tiny little corner is Ed Yong saying, America is not prepared for the next pandemic that's coming. And it just shows you like it's, you know, right. Yeah. Right. But the minute you knew about it, the minute we did actually come into pandemic and we learned historically, oh, there'd been a bunch of pandemic. There'd been this vaccination stuff before they had cards they had masks. None of this shit is new. Suddenly that changed, even just the way it felt so crazy to us, right? Like, I remember feeling like true panic, like, oh, fuck, you're about to be in the purge. I'm scared of shit, uh, blah, blah, blah. Like, when I realized, oh, fuck, the pandemic is real. This is a thing. And in my mind, this shit was never before heard of. I thought I was going to be in fucking bird box. The minute I realized, like, oh, shit, this has happened before, like, historically, like, a bunch of times. Oh, this is going to happen again? Like, this is the thing. Suddenly that changes the way that you're able to manage it and deal with it, right? It doesn't change the the, the impact in terms of the fact that people are going to die. This shit is really, really serious and stuff like that. But you recognize, like, I'm not the first one. This isn't the, 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 the doom, the blow up or whatever. This is something I still have to, like, manage through and fight through. It doesn't change the fight. It doesn't change the fact that you still have to fight all these powers that be to try and get the get get tasks get money get stimulus and get them to like take it seriously and understand but it does change the overwhelming feeling of like this is unprecedented this world is terrible thing that's happening or whatever whatever can i do you recognize that there are tools at your disposal so i say all that to say um yeah it's gonna be fucked up like when they overturn roe and everything that's coming after and you know it they're already the republicans are they're working fast, okay? They all around the place proposing and passing all kind of fucked up laws now for the purposes of getting them in front of the court to overturn your rights. And it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad, but it's not unprecedented. It's not something that we couldn't see coming, and it's not something that we can't continue to fight and battle through. Well, I I think that that is a... It's, it's a good place to wrap up. It's like a, yes. we got our 2% optimism and our 98% realism and you know i just I, even though there was a lot of heavy topics right now i just i'm really grateful for you for coming on the show um just of thank you so much you. for your time and you know also just thank you for being public defender and doing what you do um how can our listeners find you you can find me on twitter at miss olurin m-s-o-l-u-r-i-n I have a sub stack called olurinati where i publish essays i recently launched it maybe uh 20 days ago. Yeah, I love it. It's already. great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Definitely yeah, I wanted my own space. Yeah. So Alurinati, I'm on the Hill um almost weekly. Um, so yeah, Twitter, the Hill, uh, Olurinati, and I have recently I put out an op-ed in the Grio. I have an op-ed in the T in Vogue, and I have a couple of essays out, so you can check out all my things. And I got a website. So at my website, aliamilearn.com. Awesome. And yeah, listeners, definitely follow Aliami, um on Twitter, you know, in terms of like, if you don't live in New York and you're just seeing like our fucked up police shit from other places in the country, 
(laughs) you're like my reliable go-to source for like what's actually happening so yes thank you boo i try to be thank you so much for listening to reply guys if you like the show please rate and review us on apple podcasts and subscribe to our patreon at patreon.com forward slash reply guys where we have a catalog of over 25 bonus interviews with renowned writers journalists and comedians with an additional episode uploaded each week the show is hosted by kate willett and me julia claire Our producer is Genevieve Garrity. Our theme song was performed by Emily Fremgen, who wrote the song with Kate Willett. Our artwork is by Adrian Lobel. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at Kate Willett with two L's and two T's. And I'm at OJuliaTweets, OHJuliaTweets. And Twitter is where you can, of course, also find our reply guys. They are always with us. Bernie, take us out. walking that ribbon of highway I saw above me that endless skyway I saw below me that golden valley this land was made for you and me this land is your land